0: The following program contains language and themes which may not be suitable for everybody. The way to handle this now is for us to have Walters call back, right? And just say, stay out of this." Do you remember your President Nixon? We have a cancer within the close to the presidency that's growing. It's growing daily. Democratic National Committee is located in the Watergate office building. The burglars forced a stairwell door, then taped its latch open. What really hurts in matters of this sort is not the fact that they occur because overzealous people in campaigns do things that are wrong. What really hurts is if you try to cover it up. Because only if you've been in the deepest valley can you ever know how magnificent it is to be on the highest mountain. All night,
1: what the young man.
0: Hey, welcome to Watergate at fifty, the Crowpod and Heart in Hand a crossover special that y'all have been waiting for now, and uh, of course here we are, fifty years from the Watergate break-in. David and uh, bringing you the first episode of this series. I said we've been talking about for well, pretty much a year, I would think. Yeah, well,
1: my entire podcasting career. Uh, if you will has been building up to this this is the uh, this is the ultimate for me i mean I could happily uh go to my grave after after doing this um yeah look it it's it it is the ultimate political scandal it is everything that's relevant today it was relevant ten years ago it will be relevant in another fifty years the fact that the suffix gate is now applied to absolutely any minor <laughs> infraction whatsoever in the world tells you the power that this has. And, you know, you and I are both presidential buffs. Not not so much the individual, well, at times the individuals, but mostly the office, because it is a unique office. It is something oh, yeah. that, you know, it was the first of its kind. It's become a model. All around the world, I would argue that the UK has moved to a much more presidential system i don't know many um free democracies that that don't and in all that history and in all the unpopular presidents and there have been guys who you know couldn't walk down the street without getting spat at um there's one one who had to leave office early and that is because of this so it's i just think it never loses its relevancy shane i just think it never goes away we've seen it maybe in recent years we've seen it in the UK, we've certainly seen it in continental Europe, we've seen it in America. It, it will never, ever lose its resonance and its power to shock. Uh, I would say that probably the two major things in the 20th century to do with the American presidents were the JFK assassination and this. And yeah. when you think about the guys who held the office, like FDR and the Depression and the war and Wilson and Truman dropped the atomic bomb,
0: that kind of for me puts it in context of just how big this was. Well, I think, you know, the fact that it is the inflection point for any political scandal anywhere in the world still. I mean, they're all held up in comparison to this. And then, of course, you know, with the presidency that we just went through here, you know, constant comparisons. Uh, how does this stack up the Watergate? You know, and in reality, I mean, I mean, the shit that Trump got up to was probably far, 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 far worse <laughs> than anything that went on with the Watergate scandal. But it's, you know, I, I mean, it's a testament to... Um, I guess the cohesion of the Republican Party coming out the back of it and how we reshaped American politics. It was like we we don't want this kind of thing to happen again. And it created that insular uh notion of how our two political parties work now. You know, we saw it with Clinton and, and of course we saw it with Trump, who were both impeached, um, but not removed from office. And the the way that parties rally around um you know, they rally the wagons around their 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 chief member of course the president that uh you know i i don't think the republicans really knew how to do with watergate and also just the way that the the media was allowed to to handle the story and craft the story and and present the narrative to to the, the the public um is is not something that you see anymore because you know media itself has become these insular little high bubbles the the these uh i don't know silos of information that you don't really have to venture outside of your comfort zone ever. Whereas from June in 1972 to, you know, August of 74, when Nixon left and even after uh, you only had a few select news organizations in the U S and throughout the world that were relied on for this kind of information. And therefore, you know, it was easier to present as fact and, 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 you know, as the, the altruistic measure of how news is supposed to work, um, which is how you end up with, again, Nixon being the only president to, to leave the office without you know going out in a body bag. Yeah, and I,
1: I think all of that's fair. Also, it, it unravels like a detective story, and it unravels piece by piece, which I think keeps the interest in. The other thing, of course, uh, that, that Trump or Clinton or whoever didn't do is they didn't record themselves committing crimes. <laughs> yes, and, yes. <laughs> you know, that's, that's definite. We will never have this access to president again, ever. No. Obviously, because of what happened. Um, and that's why I think Nixon will remain endlessly fascinated because you can read about the Teapot Dome scandal or Credit Mobile, 8, which were huge, huge yep. scandals. Um, but all we have is a very slim paper trail um, because of the era, whereas here we actually have from the horse's mouth, you played in you the 3,000 hours of, of, of audio of, recording. Of, you know, the, every single side of this complex and, and almost unknowable man. And that will never, ever happen again. No. I think you're right. I think we also lived in an era where there was more trust in the, the media. Yeah. And I think that there was from the media that's it. You mentioned the word altruistic. There was still, I think, much more than you get today on either side. There was much more of that, no, we are going to find out what the actual truth was, as opposed to we will find out what the truth we want is, and present that and build a case towards it. And I think that media in general has changed because, as you say, they are now dealing with a very select audience. You'll never get a Cronkite who came on and was someone's you know that we if he says it's true because we respect him you 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 just don't get that anymore you'd have people flipping a channel to someone else they agreed with so all of that combines into this it's also a great story you know this is the thing the the cast of characters are huge but for me this is incidentally watergate is why i I don't believe in conspiracy theories simply because conspiracies don't hold they can't hold <laughs> too many people have to be involved in a conspiracy it's kennedy for example it it comes out people people want to tell their stories and people yeah. want to get their side. And another thing we've had about Watergate, and again, I hope we'll be able to present this, because look, Shane and I are not coming at this with any real, I don't have a dog in the fight in American politics. Shane does, but it's 50 years ago. So he's, <laughs> you know it's not, it's not a current fight. And, uh, you know, we've been able to read the, the autobiographies of so many people that you know people have told their story here will we'll refer to some excellent documentaries that we all go and check out and I can't think Shane of any major player in Watergate who hasn't told their version yeah. of the truth and funnily enough I was actually in America A couple of weeks before we recorded this first episode and because it's the 50th anniversary there's you know a whole host of you know like us there's a whole host of new programs coming out about it and there was a show uh on cnn and they had john dean who is somebody who is integral to the story and of course they, they they played that but john dean's retelling of the story is very John Dean centric and getting worse as he gets older and getting far more. So (laughs) I I like to think we'll be able to say, you know, person A said this happened, but this is his take on it. Person B said this happened and this is their take on it. And I think we'll be able to tell the story, but maybe to explain it because again, there are so many, sources of information you're not relying on one person you're not relying on one tale or one particular political view everyone who was involved in it has came out and said what their what their perception of their place in it. and of course they all try to to make themselves look a slightly different way one of the key themes i think of watergate is self-image who people wanted to be maybe as opposed to who they were and i think that comes from the man at the top
0: Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, what you were saying about conspiracy theory there, and I can't remember, I want to say it was Rick Perlstein, but I could be wrong. He's written a number of great books about the the rise of the the modern Republican Party. but The Invisible Bridge, I would highly recommend. And Nixonland, actually. Yep, Um, But that uh, one thing that Watergate did was implant conspiracy theory in the head of so many fucking people. Because, you know, prior to Watergate, you had about 40% of Americans polled who thought that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald acted in conspiracy to kill President Kennedy. And after Watergate, that number shot up to about 85%. Because Watergate, while not latched in conspiracy theories, was a conspiracy and proved to be true. It it showed that there were, you know, people in in the top echelons of government uh, you know, machinating to, to undermine the, the very fabric of how a democracy is supposed to work. And when you prove the existence of one of those, it makes the believability of so many other ones far more feasible. And that's mm. that's also led, again, to, to the, I don't know, the, the, the lack of trust in media. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the, I mean, every, everything that we see perpetuated today to where you can get people, you know, just blatant outright liars, uh, on yeah, I, I mean, I'll give Nixon credit for that. Usually on camera, he wasn't lying. Um, he might not be telling the whole truth, but, but he didn't you know, usually get up there and just blatantly, outright lie. Whereas it, the there's, leader there's of your qualify- country, the leaders of you know, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a lawyer. Richard Nixon was a
1: qualified lawyer, and yes. you're absolutely correct. Very rarely would he go up, as you say, didn't mean he was telling the truth. Nope. And again, I think that, <laughs> I, again, I think that this is where this public perception begins to come in of, I think back then it was very binary, from what we can tell, you and I weren't alive, but certainly you know, when we grew up in the period immediately after this where everything was challenged because I think the media and the public felt we just took them at their word because we assumed that, that that they were telling the truth. You know, they might not be good at their jobs, but we assumed that they were telling the truth. And now we know we actually have. And as you say, once you cross that line, you know, it it takes a lot for people to do that, especially with an office like the presidency, which is so integral to the American people. And well, so big to the rest of the world as well. You know, oh, yeah, it's this huge
0: office. Well, I mean, and I so, think, especially at this time, still by far the biggest office in the oh, inter- yeah. I mean, the, the it, biggest it, job in the world. Will never change. Will never no. ever change. Nope. It, it, you are the leader of the free
1: world. That's you know th- that title is is apt. And I once you cross that Rubicon, because people don't want to, you know, people don't want to believe that this is the case. Then it becomes you know very difficult to to get the toothpaste back in the tube. So. I think that you know it 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 won't i can't see it ever not now being uh as you mentioned earlier the never mind a uh, the cautionary tale the example of government running wild the example of why you should question everything the example of conspiracies do happen but one of the things that comes out of this is that the system did work yeah he was caught he was punished um the, the, the people who did this were caught they will forever have it against their names that i think is probably the best thing that that came out of watergate and sometimes i think we maybe forget that lesson but we'll come to that as we go through the
0: shows. oh yeah so i you know obviously we're, we're, we're gonna climb through a lot of the stuff here and you know i mean just to get the basics out uh, on june 17th 1972 just after midnight uh, five men are found in the Watergate complex in Washington, D.C., in the uh, national headquarters of the Democratic National Committee. Uh, not not their first attempt at breaking in. Uh, they, they were actually there trying to fix a number of bugs and other things that they'd done before. And also, you know, st- steal some more documents, take some more pictures, mess up some more stuff, and do all that. Um, and, of course, that is the key to this whole story. But the key man at the top of this and the, the the person from which all this flows is, of course, the 37th president and 36th vice president of the United States, Richard Nixon. And, and I think, you know, be, before we cover all the other characters and everybody else and really start diving into how the fuck Watergate actually unraveled uh, mm-hmm. is to go back and look at Dick Nixon um, and what got him to this place, uh, you know, in his life. I mean, gro- growing up very poor in California um, uh, in, in what was it, Yor- Yorba Linda was, was Yorba that Linda, the... yes, yes. Uh, you know, in a house his dad built uh, on, on a lemon branch. Um, was it Hannah and Francis, I believe? Hannah and the... Francis. Um, yes. Um, his mother was a Quaker, yep, uh,
1: and 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 very deeply into her faith. Her dad was uh, his dad was a frustrated, quite violent man. No particularly rare at the time Shane I think the no. idea was you could no. beat the shit out of your children uh, and it was a perfectly acceptable thing to do but from that you get a very dour little child uh, one of his cousins said he wasn't the type of little boy that you would hug his two elder brothers both die and again yeah. not uncommon in the era you know ch- the, the child mortality rate unfortunately was was high um, but these these are things that are going to affect you the the probably the key moment in Richard Nixon's life is he is a very bright kid, you know. Uh, I I honestly don't think it's unfair to, sh- to say Shane he's in the top rank of intelligence for U.S. presidents. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Intelligence I mean, doesn't mean you're a good president, well, <laughs> right? Well, he, he was that too, but well, yeah, b- but by and large,
0: <laughs> by and large,
1: yeah, but. Um, he he wins a uh a place at Harvard University, but his parents yep. can't send him because they can't afford it, so he has to go to a local college Whittier. and that that sense of doors closed fosters this resentment in him wellzed I, 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 I th- his whole
0: life i think it was well, uh Dominic sandbrook who hosts the um i was at the 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 rest is history podcast correct yep. Yeah, uh, the the English historian. I think he, he was the one that said that, you know, Nixon, you know, his his brother Harold was ill. His mother wanted him to stay to help take care of him. They needed him at the store. And despite having a full tuition grant uh, to go to Harvard, enrolls at Whittier College right there near his hometown. Um, but Sandbrook has said and contested for years that this is really the beginning of Watergate. You know, as you said I there, I mean, it's it's it's. Nixon's, I I don't know if you want to call it like perceived grievance throughout his entire career, Um, all the way through. I mean, goddamn, after Watergate, you know, he said what? He he wanted to blame Martha Mitchell, a character that we'll get to later, sitting with David Frost in 1977. Instead of accepting blame for anything he'd done, it's always been someone else's fault. Somebody else has always tried to hold him down. They've always tried to hold him back. And, And that chip on the shoulder is really what drove him through Uh, uh, I mean to the heights of a political career but also made him this completely neurotic and paranoid man yeah uh, you're spot
1: on there without this does Richard Nixon become who he is no without this Richard Nixon's a quite successful lawyer probably very rich living in California Um, but he has this this dogged sense of people are always going to throw obstacles in my path and therefore, I have to fight for absolutely everything I get. And he was one of these males who, I think, you know, the, the term alpha male is a quite a modern one. But I think it applies where it's not enough for, I can't just win. I can't just succeed. For me to succeed, someone must fail. Because there are enemies. um, will come to the infamous list in time. <laughs> so that was very much he said now that continues throughout his life and of course when we get to 1960 um it, you know the the kennedy his noir, his altar you know yeah. and i think part of the problem with richard nixon is and look it, it, we've all at one time in our life felt excluded from something unless you've been born into intense privilege we've all felt excluded from certain things and i think that the the, the problem he had In particular, was that there was a fascination with it that he wasn't part of this elite, but he really wished he was, and I don't think you know. I I think he hated himself for that—that he was both fascinated and repelled by. He was attracted and repelled by it. But you're absolutely correct. I think that from there he goes to to where he he's called up, goes to the war, he qualifies as a lawyer, joins up as as all people do. And again, not everybody in a war can be a war hero. But you there are jobs that need done. Richard Nixon well, a, does it a
0: job. Yeah, he was a quartermaster. Well, um, quartermaster. After great yeah, you know, he leaves Whittier, he goes Pacific. to Duke University and graduates what, the third in his class, I want third to say of the yeah. original Duke law class. And and tremendous I, well, and there's extreme. another one in here too, because of course he, he applies for a job at the FBI upon graduating from Duke. And um he, he never got a letter uh back, so again, another perceived snub, but the reality was he had been accepted for the position. they were just over budget, and by the time he got back and, and started in the bar uh working as a lawyer in California before the war, uh you know that that going back into the FBI wasn't going to be an option, so there's yet another another branch in Nixon's life where had that happened. He probably worked at the FBI for 45 years and then He just would retired. have ended up the
1: director of it. Absolutely, yep. that would have been it. And there are so many of these, these what-ifs and moments. Um, he goes to the Pacific, and I always find this really interesting, Shane. He makes about, eight, he saves up about $8,000, and that's not in today's money, folks. That was $8,000 in, in the 1940s playing poker. Now, yep. the last thing I think, Any of us would think about with Richard Nixon is this poker shot. Well, apparently, he was a very conservative poker player that he would just play if he had good cards. If he didn't, he would fold and he would squirrel away this money, which gives him money when he gets back. Now, post 1945, war heroes. As you can, or people who'd, who'd fought in the war. I mentioned earlier, not everybody could be a hero. But people with good service records were very attractive candidates. And now, he had a and, very
0: good service record. He had a
1: very good service record. Uh, he'd served in the Navy as a quartermaster, had done a great job, and he had this, you know, LBJ would have killed for this <laughs> Although he just made one up, of course, We <laughs> the the the, the well, and and said, Kennedy
0: just had one made up for him. So that was, Yeah, exactly. So, and Kennedy yeah.
1: was always gonna get uh he his dad would buy him one. But um he gets back to California, which is a democratic it's just it right? It's just Demi- they vote democrats, what they do. Always have, always will. It's a democratic state. So the local Republican Party in his area aren't you know, they're they're not particularly um They're certainly not the size that they would be today. They're looking for a candidate. They want someone young. They want someone with a good, clean record. And Richard Nixon comes back from the war with a good service record. He's a lawyer. He's a family man, married with kids. He ticks a lot of boxes. They interview him. He's very conservative. They like that. And they put him up. And then, Shane, we begin to see the Dick Nixon campaign thing
0: that never, <laughs> ever left him. Nope, immediately. Because he, he runs against Jerry Voorhees, who'd been uh, in the House for quite some time there. I mean, the Republicans could not beat him in, in this district. And, and he, he'd been there established coming off the back of the of the Depression. Uh, actually, a good friend of Wright Patman, who'll come up uh, late, later yeah. on in this series. Um, but yeah, Nixon. You know, right away the 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 dirty tricks, the hints of maybe communism, maybe a little bit of stuff in the closet, maybe whatever the hell else it takes for for him to win. And Nixon does end up knocking off Voorhees pretty pretty comprehensively uh, by I don't know almost twenty thousand votes or something within the district. So I mean, it, it wasn't close. But yeah, they really played up. Uh, well, Voorhees being uh, endorsed by groups linked to communists and, and all this other kind of stuff, which yes. as David said, this this will come back over and over and over and over and over again.
1: That's, well, again, and this is very similar to when Trump came in and every president, is that when they are successful, and they all have to be to get to the position, no matter what you think of any individual folks, you do not reach the level of president without having some Success in some field, and you know we we all joke about Donald Trump. He got his money from his father. We all joke about Joe Biden. But the the, the success can be in the way that people re- respond to them, yeah. right? Um. Now in Nixon's case, it works. He gets elected to the, the Congress. He gets elected to the Senate. He has one of the most rapid transformations, uh, or or rather rockets to success. In nineteen forty six, he's a small lawyer, just at the at the army in the war in 1952, he's the vice president of the United States of America. Yeah. The, this rise is supernatural almost. I mean, it just it's incredible by any stretch of the magic. I think really the only comparable one in the modern era is maybe Obama. You know, in terms yeah. of just from from not to sixteen, yeah, in,
0: nothing, that,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, to, in four seconds. So, I, it's that sort of level. And the thing is, people who are successful tend to think it's the qualities they've displayed and the attitude they've displayed that made them that. And they're not going to change once they get to office. And that's exactly what happens with Nixon. He he got there by, as you say, let's be honest, lying. <laughs> you know, making things up <laughs> and smearing his opponent. Yeah. Uh, it always reminds me of when Homer Simpson runs for sanitation commissioner. And his opponent says to him, you told people that I lured children to my gingerbread house. And Homer says, oh, that was just a lie. And that was very much Nixon's style, which was uh, anything to get elected. It's all fair.
0: Anything at all. And then, I mean, once he, you know, in the House, he immediately ties himself to to the House Un-American Activities Committee, which is one of the, you know, the, the, the Red Scare committees, of course. Um, he goes, what was it? Alger Hiss, the, the, the famous one. Yes. 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 The, 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 and, and the thing at the time, Alger Hiss, uh, was, you know, well, Nixon came out and said, this guy's a spy for the Soviet union, despite there being very little contemporary evidence. Although as we found out once the, uh, the dissolution of the Soviet union, and a lot more papers came out, Nixon was actually right. He didn't know it though. <laughs> he, he, to be
1: fair to him, I think he, I think he did. I think, uh, as you say, the reason he doesn't let that go is after meeting him. Now, a big part of that, incidentally, is Whitaker was from the elite, and at one point they're they're arguing on a point of law during the hearings. And uh, oh yeah, Whit- Whitaker he's... Chambers, yes. Oh, Whitaker yeah, yeah, yeah. Chambers. Uh, yes. Sorry, um, but Hiss is part of the elite. Whitaker Chambers yes. is the witness who actually sinks him. Yeah. Um But. He says to Nixon, he said, I I know the law, Mr. Nixon. Uh, I attended Harvard Law School. I believe your college was Whittier. (laughs) And apparently Nixon just glowed red. Yeah. Just... Burns with shame, so there was a personal element now. The interesting thing about the elder in his case is he pursues it, even when it looks as though the evidence isn 't there. He pursues it, and again, we talked about these stories or something that 's by novel. They find a patch of microfilm in a vegetable garden, Yeah, so Chambers, yeah,
0: the pumpkin papers yes. the, the,
1: the pumpkin <laughs> papers that prove that basically that his has lied on the stand if you if you are at a congressional hearing and you 're under oath. And they get him on perjury. They don't get him on being a spy, they get him on nope. perjury. But of course, his case falls. He was a State Department official very high up. This is just after uh China has has gone to the communists and the, the red scare is in full, full effect. And Nixon uses that to, to cap up. He also does something very clear. He goes out and he he really get without going full McCarthy. He left the really nutty stuff to McCarthy. He was Yep, anti-communist. He was so tough on communism, to the point that when Eisenhower is looking in 1952 for a vice presidential candidate, the party, because Eisenhower wasn't a party guy, a bit like Trump, although right. there was the the slight difference is the Republican establishment didn't want Trump; they desperately wanted Eisenhower. Well, yeah. not the, the the establishment; they wanted to run themselves, um, <laughs> but to placate the party. Yes he has to take one of their own and Shane that though does lead us to probably Nixon's a moment that certainly shaped his belief in his power of television, Yeah. which of course is the checker speech. One of the most maudlin <laughs> one of the most saccading one. Of, I mean, it will make your teeth great watching it, but Jesus Christ, did it
0: work. Yeah, for, for, for 30 minutes. So this is uh, se- late September of 52. It's about, well, a month and a half before the, the presidential election. And, you know, as David said there, I mean, Eisenhower had to be talked into taking Nixon because, one, his his very strong anti-communist stance, which again came up in his run for Senate, is what he used to beat Helen Douglas by continually T- implying that she was a communist. Pink great, uh,
1: don't her underwear.
0: Yep. <laughs> uh and and, and uh, also, you know, I mean, he, he, he would get the California vote, which was big for Dude, the shit. Republican Party. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge shit. number of electoral votes. Uh, so, you know, despite Eisenhower's misgivings and despite the uh, well, the, the events that led to the checker speech here, because it, it was revealed that uh, uh, Nixon had been taking money, uh, which from- he hadn't. No, that this no. is one thing about, right. him,
1: this is once where he, you know, you can definitely see he's in the right. He was accused of having a slush fund. Yes. Um, and basically, we see it a lot in Scotland in 2022. Yeah. Money that was being given to his campaign, he was accused of spending on himself. Now, yep. this wasn't actually true, but he takes half an hour of TV time, which I think is still remarkable to me, but yeah. it was a different era. But he gets half an hour of network TV time. And I yeah, believe they, they, was they, spent, uh, they spent
0: they spent seventy five grand to buy oh, yeah. uh, TV time on NBC, I, and, um, and
1: I believe it was ended. It was watched by like forty four million. It's it was still...
0: about sixty. Well, 60... yeah, well, her, her, seen and heard by over sixty billion Americans. Which so. per
1: head um, of of population, it is still to this day the political speech that has been seen by more, the biggest percentage of the yeah. people. And he goes on, and he literally lists. Everything he does an audit. Yeah. Of of all the things. Here's here's
0: where you know that this has gone to this part of my staff. This went to uh Christmas card expenses, this went to like everything right down the damn line.
1: And the end line is the famous one, which is he says, uh, there is one thing. Um we were given a gift. We mentioned in I mentioned in an interview that the kids would like a dog, and this gentleman he sent us a little cocker spaniel dog, named checkers.
0: One other thing I probably should tell you, because if I don't, they'll probably be saying this about me too, we did get something, a gift, after the election. A man down in Texas heard Pat on the radio mention the fact that our two youngsters would like to have a dog. And believe it or not, the day before we left on this campaign trip, we got a message from the Union Station in Baltimore saying they had a package for us. We went down to get it. You know what it was? It was a little cocker spaniel dog in a crate that he'd sent all the way from Texas. Black and white, spotted. And our little girl, Tricia, the six-year-old, named it Checkers. And you know, the kids, like all kids, love the dog. And I just want to say this right now, that regardless of what they say about it, we're going to keep it.
1: He also mentions at one point that Pat... His wife, Pat Nixon, who's there, incidentally, so, you know, if you yes. weren't cloying, she's sitting there looking adoringly at And he says, "Yo, Pat doesn't have a fancy mink coat, she has a good Republican cloth coat, now who knew that a, a type <laughs> of fabric could be political, but uh, but I always tell her she'd look good in anything <laughs> people were crying people wanted to, and he, he ends by saying, I mean this is something in like a movie he ends by saying, so if you think I should stay on the ticket, if you don't believe these allegations against me, can you telegram and wire and write to your congressman and write to the Republican headquarters and Shane there's a flood hundreds of thousands of these things arrive yeah. yep
0: yeah and I mean the way I, I still you know at the end of this thing if you if you ever get bored you want to go watch this it's obviously available on YouTube but of course you know he gets up from behind the desk and comes out to stand directly in front of the camera to plead to people that you know <laughs> I, I love my country I think my country is in danger uh you, you see what seven years of, of Truman has done we've we've lost uh, what is it? 600 million people lost to communists in a war in Korea that's cost over a thousand or a hundred thousand American casualties or something like that. I mean, it's 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 amazing because so much of the, the, the story of the narrative of Nixon is wrapped up in the 1960 presidential debates. Yeah. In which his appearance on television is is always marked as a thing that that cost him the election as opposed to Joseph Kennedy. Uh, you know <laughs> finding votes but yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah i mean let, let, let's but he he was thought. he was absolutely brilliant in, oh, in this moment and, and, and it's it, you know it is truly like the model from which the modern political uh, you know campaign is done on the television it was it was yeah. absolutely fantastic and, and to your point there, this is one of the
1: great myths, and I hope we can bust a couple of them as we're going through this. One of the great myths is exactly what you said there, that, that Kennedy looked better in the famous TV debate, which he did. He was much more handsome and charismatic, right? But Nixon actually does okay. It? He doesn't look well. He's got the flu. But yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the thing that, that tipped the election. Nixon genuinely believed he was very good on television. That's why he would always choose whenever. He makes 38 TV addresses yeah. Uh, in his time in the presidency. He believed that he he must, he knew that medium, and to be fair to him, he did. Um, but, you know, his, his vice presidential career week is another show in itself. You know, so many amazing incidents in that. But we'll go to 1960. He, as vice president, and a very popular, you know, within the Republican Party, he's a singe for... Yeah. For the nomination, yep. he is nominated. He'll go up against JFK, who, interestingly, again always sent up as you know the, these bitter enemies. Kind of true in some degree, but they, they were initially friends. And Senator Joseph Kennedy, or sorry, uh, 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 Senator John F. Kennedy, gave him a check for two thousand dollars at one point for his campaign from his father, yeah. um, because they they liked. Nixon they liked his politics and yeah. well,
0: uh, and I think it, you know we'll see this as we go further along but at this point I mean Nixon was still very much moderate and and not only that, the same way Eisenhower was you know he's a Republican and the fact that that was the party they represented but it, but, but it wasn't yes he wasn't the um well the the semi-outwardly racist candidate that he would become later especially with the advent of Spiro Agnew um but that he really wanted to I mean, b- both of these candidates were trying to appeal broad base, you know, and, and Nixon had to overcome the, uh, you know, outside establishment from the left, you know, from, from the left side of the country, even obviously not a left wing candidate. But he he re, I, I almost say reimagined the role of the vice president um, in a way that we wouldn't activist. see again until Dick Cheney, you know, yeah, un- under George activist. W. Bush.
1: Yeah. All over the world, he yep. has a famous debate well, with it, uh, Khrushchev. In, yes, the kitchen debates. The kitchen, debates kitchen and, debate is a famous debate. He gets attacked in Caracas um, by a mob, and and his dignity there wins him a lot of votes. Goes this to, is to China a for the first
0: time. You know, yep. I mean, like he, he – and also, I mean, on the times that – well, Eisenhower was ill, of course, his heart attack and his strokes. Um, yep. But also, even outside of that, he, he really – He runs cabinet meetings. He runs National Security Council meetings. He does all this shit that Eisenhower never really wanted to do. Because Eisenhower never really wanted to be president. (laughs) It was just... He thought it was the best thing for the country.
1: Yeah, Eisenhower correctly knew that he, you know when people said to him, oh, your place in history and he said well you know I I have my place in history I don't need to worry <laughs> about that and he was absolutely correct he was a general who had of course defeated the Nazis so he knew that but um the the nineteen sixty election is a squeaker. I mean I still yep. think it's the closest one of all to I mean yeah, it is it's just hundred and
0: thirteen thousand votes or something nationwide out of
1: a huge turnout. Yeah, And as Shane, as Shane alluded to basically he steals it? No, yeah, it's, it's, it's Ill-
0: Illinois and Texas, basically. Illinois, the, Te- uh, your yep. state,
1: uh, Illinois. <laughs> yep. um, but there are stuffed ballot boxes, and Nixon, who's not the first LBJ, was the same. Um, they get cheated out of an election, and they do yep. uh, to the point where people are telling him, "You need to challenge it." And he, he again. It was a good part. He he did know his people, his silent majority. He did know them. He said, "No, I can come back from a defeat. I can't come back from looking like a whinging loser."
0: Yeah, well, and um, you know, he saw that for for the. It's a theme that you hear know, throughout his Watergate speeches and everything else, and in, in in his resignation, is that for, you know for the good of the country, everything I have to do is for the good of the country, and he knew. That, that trying to do a Trump thing and, and, and you know, allege these voter fraud cases. And, and Which try did to happen incidentally. Like- oh, yeah. But, <laughs> you Democrats know, that, that, us. that it, it would not, again, it, as David said, would not look good for him personally, but would not be good for, for the nation, especially in this time, you know, I mean, in in the back and forth with the Soviet Union, that any perceived weakness in how, you know, the, the, the country operates, uh, he knew would, would, it could have huge, massive consequences. I mean, yeah. the, I mean, the Russians the were looking for anything. Yeah.
1: yeah, This is the height of the Cold War, and and he was right. And the other thing about it was that he knew Americans didn't want to hear it. You know, yep. the Americans like a winner. So the lesson he takes out of it is, okay, then this is how the system works. So I will never be out cheated again. I will make sure that. I, and as I say, this is not. Uh, uh, a lesson that was unique to him. Yeah. Um, LBJ famously gets cheated out of an early election, and the next time the ballot box are stuffed, you know, fuller <laughs> fuller full than a Vegas a, a Vegas slot machine, right? I mean, they, and Johnson learns, and it is that same lesson of okay, right? To win, sometimes you need to cheat. Therefore, yeah. I'll make sure I'm the best at cheating. Yeah. That then justifies also the fact that he's lost. The reason he was out cheated was my opponent's very rich father yeah my opponent's very rich father paid yeah. people off and again it's the bloody east coast it's the bloody yeah. um liberals they're they're out to steal from me and the lessons he takes from this is don't be out cheated and make sure that if you know politics is basically politics is dirty so you need to be the dirtiest yeah. um and also, Shane, I think this is his justification for everything moving forward. I think from this moment, he—it's fe- almost like he thinks it's his. Will they do it?
0: Yeah. Oh no. Well, and he says every, you know, you can hear him through the tapes. I mean, FDR did this, Truman did this, everybody. You know, it—it it, it never stops pouring out of him. The—the uh, th- the thing he does though so here that Nixon does, you know, he leaves the 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 vice presidency and he goes and writes. Uh, what was it Six Crises? His, his hmm. first. Uh, his first best-selling book. Um, it's a good book. Oh, wonderful! And you know, it's a very insightful. Although I, I do love uh, the, the. I think his biggest grievance in that book is that the uh, the the 1952 speech that we referred to became known as the Checker Speech, which mm. he hated because he thought. Uh, you know, somehow the only lesson I learned in this or the only thing that saved my career was was my dog. It was a dog. <laughs> As to, Dogs are amazing. You know, everything I did.
1: We're we're pro dog on this show. <laughs> yes. Um uh, get a dog, folks, it can it can make you president. But he does, he goes away and, and you're right, and he's he's promised his wife. Uh, and I think this is fascinating. I think the relationship between um,
0: Richard and Pat is absolutely fascinating. Oh, it's be, well, I mean, it's a love at first sight kind of thing, too. You know, they, for him. They meet, they, they meet a, yeah, they meet, a, <laughs> they're doing a play or a musical. Yeah. At, back for him, in college. For, yeah. for
1: her, um, he, he had to pursue her for yeah, two a Yeah, a little bit of work. A little bit of work. To the point where he actually used to drive her on dates with other guys and, and yep. pick her up at the end of the night. But just you know it's that dog that's how he gets things done it's that doggy determination he's not flash but you know he's he'll get there in the end but um she is you know i've had enough of politics i've had enough you know you've been doing it now for 14 years it's time to make some money and he was a brilliant lawyer and of course if you've been the vice president of the usa your cachet to be on a masthead (laughs) of a law firm is enormous yeah um and he is bored shitless so much so he makes the the strange decision, I think, to, to run for governor of California, which is a, an important role. I mean, we will know in the it modern is. era as, as Ronald Reagan. It, it worked for Reagan. Schwarzenegger, so, yeah. Schwarzenegger because yeah. it's the most populous, most glamorous state. It's yeah. great for campaign finance. But Shane, kind of explain to maybe our UK listeners just how it's, you know, to, to go to, you don't really go from the height of government to governor, do you? It's not no. a well-worn path.
0: No, yeah, I mean, a, a governorship is is a well known path to the vice presidency and then the presidency, or or just skipping the vice presidency altogether, uh, as of course George W. Bush did, Bill Clinton did, and a number of a number of people have. But um, well, I, I, you know, it's it's, I, I mean, Nixon really didn't want to get into this race, but again, the party came to him, and um, uh, you know, asked him to try to to unseat Pat Brown. Uh, a very, very far left liberal, even by, uh, California standards at the time. And they, they talked him into this by, you know, saying, um, you know, come on, Dick, you get back in, we'll use this as stepping stone right back into the presidential election in 1964. And he loses by a pretty decent margin. Right, Mike
1: big margin, yeah. Yeah.
0: Five, five or seven points or something it, to the point where, uh, it, it was, a uh, ABC news, uh, Ran a segment uh, on November 11th of '62. It was called the political obituary of Richard M. Nixon, and of course Alger Hiss shows up on the program, and a bunch <laughs> of other people, uh, you know, to, to to attack the former vice president. And more than anything, I, and Nixon does again step back, and you know, in '64 rebukes calls for him to try to get in. Uh, and of course, which is I mean,
1: not the worst. That although that '64 election no. is very, very. Um, it, it, it what he does is a couple of things he campaigns for every republican in the country, yep. so he was owed a shitload of favors if it, you know if you needed a speech made as you Richard Nixon, who was still popular in the party but sixty four famously Barry Goldwater, who yes. was a nutter and i oh, yeah. know, i can't I can't think of another i mean he he advocated nuking a, a proactive nuclear strike on yep. the soviet union yep. and he famously of course he was accused of being an extremist which he was and he said well extre- extremism in defense of liberty is no vice Well, yep. it is and, and um, truly
0: truly the founder of the modern GOP. but platform yes it, of, uh, it, it yeah.
1: becomes an important election for that because he is as you say somebody that almost creates the modern conservative party out of yep. it but he gets Annihilated by Lyndon Johnson, (laughs) absolutely destroyed. Now, nobody, no Republican could have won the '64 election. Johnson had come in, and the 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 Kennedy, you know, post the the, the post assassination sympathy bounce would have got any. But plus the fact, Johnson had came in and been very dignified and put through a lot of different legislation and so many big plans. But what Nixon does is very quietly just rack up favours in the background and almost become the titular head this is something i think we in the uk struggle to to understand that you don't really have a party head in the way we do i mean it's a a job over you know it's a title you are the head of the party over there it's you know the president would be the head of his party um when they're not in there are a few candidates vying for it nixon becomes basically the the focal point the speech maker of the party and one thing he had shane at a time when foreign policy was pretty much you know the gold medal of any political thing he, he was always incisive i mean he had, the, he had the
0: experience in spades i mean he'd been yeah everywhere, everywhere, he, everywhere.
1: he was incisive uh, to the point where folks richard nixon predicted what we're seeing in the ukraine at the moment in 1991 Just as the Soviet Union was breaking up, he predicted that it would go the way that it has, that there would be this hyper capitalism, that oligarchs would come in and then there would be aggressive moves by the Russians. He he was incredible in foreign policy. So he very much begins to. And of course, what happens in this period, Shane, is the nightmare of Vietnam, which just rips the democratic party apart
0: well well not not only that but of course the the, the civil rights movement which is again with, with goldwater staking out the modern republican platform of let's be racist and uh yeah um in <laughs> 64 allows for southern democrats to shed the party and, and move to to the republican party which was you know through the passage of the civil rights act and everything like which, which were things that nixon supported um during his time in the senate and supported maybe not as well as as uh you know people would like in the white house but definitely more than you would expect from a candidate who ran on law and order platforms and all the other dog whistles that that we're used to uh, uh nowadays um but that the democratic party between you know johnson wavering on whether or not to run um finally you know with the ted offensive in in january of 68 he he drops out in march but then you've got what candy you've got uh uh mcgovern you've got humphrey you've got you know all all these all these names um flying through and we'll see this again in 72 with that election that that the democratic party really lacks any kind of figure or focal head and it it allows nixon to well i mean one he knocks off uh george romney knocks off uh rockefeller and and ronald reagan uh who'd won the california governorship that nixon could not uh but he, he ends up taking the, the, the uh, Republican nomination that picks Spiro Agnew, who, again, much like Nixon would do for Eisenhower uh, when he was vice president, Agnew could do the really, really dirty, gritty, racist work um, yeah. that needed to be done at this point. Because yeah, he. he, could go he out and do the- oh, yeah. Just straight up. And an incredible speaker in his own right. I mean, both of yeah. them, I mean, incredible, incredible orators. Uh, if you ever get a chance, I mean, go find some Agnew's speeches because they, they are fantastic. Oh, he yeah. loved alliteration. He oh, yes. loved
1: alliteration. Nattering nabobs of negativity. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, you, you have to admire that to to get that. But as, as he was prepared to do the dirty stuff, he was prepared to go out and he was prepared to do the fear stuff. You know, the... Um, uh, you know, the, the, the yeah, they're stealing your jobs stuff. He was he uh, Nixon stayed away from that. Nixon, this is a tough one. We might as well get to this just now. You know, yeah. was he a racist? Because you'll hear a lot of stuff. You'll hear N words on the tapes. You'll hear, you know, oh yeah, no, uh, I, I know. I got a crank, whole no, list
0: of quotes that we're gonna have a fun yeah, time. Blacks talking can't about cover themselves.
1: Later. He was definitely Jew- Jews Semitic. run the media, your Jews uh, in the yeah. media. <laughs> but again, I, I think sins of the age come down i'm not defending it no but it it wasn't an unusual position for a man of his age no. and no. Uh, a man of his age and um era to say but uh yeah some of it is you know, well most of it is pretty vile um he was uh, again someone who i i i don't think he was a racist in terms of i don't think like he hired people regardless but he did use yeah. offensive, you know, but he would, he would hire somebody, but
0: he would call them an N word. Yep. <laughs> um, and I don't think that's unusual. Well, well, and again, I mean, he, he did support civil rights uh, legislation. He did support, you know, but yeah, there, there there were, I I don't know. It's I guess, you know, it's, it's when your grandpa says something, you go, God, you really shouldn't say that. But you know, it's it, I don't think it's, it's, it's in his heart. I just think it's, uh, yeah, how, how we vocalize it, especially behind closed doors. Um, but but here uh, i think and, and this is one of the key ones and, th- and this again builds into what we see in 1972 the way you know he keeps getting away with stuff in elections cuz late in october uh johnson on his way out the door was trying to hope uh, you, you know reach a, a I don't know if you call it a truce or a ceasefire or whatever in vietnam and nixon and uh, of course kissinger Find this out, and uh, no, we'll, we'll go talk to the South Vietnamese ourselves. I mean, hey, um, don't stop, don't stop the war just yet. Let, let, let us get through this election. Uh, and so, of course, he, he keep, we need keeps, he keeps call camp- this for what it is. This is <laughs> treason. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, he kept what was it? Peace with honor was his uh, peace with honor, yeah. Peace with um, honor was his big he, phrase. He literally goes or his
1: campaign, was yes. Mitchell, yes, through a woman called Anna Chenault, and it's called the Chenault Affair. They literally tell the South Vietnamese government, don't sign up to this peace this peace treaty. We'll get you a better deal. Yep. Now, they didn't. They got them the same deal four years later <laughs> at the cost of 25,000 American lives and God knows how many Vietnamese and Cambodian lives yeah. purely because had it been announced, he'd probably have lost the election. Yep. So, you know... you. Look, I I think sometimes I can be a bit sympathetic, or I try to at least see, you know, to put myself in people's position. This is unconscionable. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know that this is one of the the greatest acts of of treason, and it's illegal. Incidentally, yeah. um, you're not allowed to a private citizen, which he was, is not allowed to negotiate with a, a government. Yeah. Um, and, and and it's actually enshrined in U.S. law. This is this this vile. This yeah. is I want to be the president, and. If you want to make the argument that those 25,000 American lives and the countless Vietnamese lives are on the blood's on his hands,
0: I, I don't see how you can argue that that isn't the case. No, and, and you know, this, this is something too, I, I think we see with the media throughout Nixon's career. Um, well, you saw it with Trump. You know, the same way the media would, you know, every couple of weeks that because he could suddenly, I don't know, form two sentences that, you know, uh, we're turning over a new Donald Trump or, you know, there's a there's a mystery or intrigue behind how he's doing this. Nixon, of course, again, peace with honor and, and talked all the time about, you know, we'll we'll finish this war in the Pacific. We'll get us out of there. We'll bring our boys home, but never with any specific plans. Which no. then the media would go around saying, "Well, he's got some kind of secret plan. He's he's obviously got to be working on this." Which he was more than happy to perpetuate that idea. To of course beating Hubert Humphrey and uh, uh, George Wallace, <laughs> who, who runs yeah. as an independent, a, a genuinely take, racist. Oh, yes, you know, oh, horrible horrible, horrible ho-
1: openly pro segregation, openly yes. racist person. I will give Nixon. Um, his view on this one, when he heard George Wallace had been shot, his only regret was that he hadn't died. Yeah, and uh, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, a piece of filth, um, yeah. just a genuinely horrible racist prick who wanted—he he basically wanted to go back to the the antebellum.
0: Oh yeah. Oh race, yeah. Or well, relations. yeah, yeah. No, that's um, yes. Very bad uh, he,
1: person. <laughs> you know, just 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 a, an absolutely horrible man. Yeah. But. He, he, he comes in with, and we're going to talk about this in the next episode, the Pentagon Papers, which are you cannot understand Watergate if you do not. Yeah. It's not a, a tertiary subject. It's not a tenuous subject. You you need to know this. To understand well, I, I, and,
0: and with that, there's a number of other scandals. And I think, as David said, with the next one, the Pentagon Papers. But you've also got a guy named B.B. uh You've got Agnew's own separate scandal that unfolds during Watergate. You've got Nixon's. I mean, the I'm not a crook thing does not come from Watergate. It comes from him, you know, not paying his income taxes for years. Not paying his
1: income tax, AT&T bribe, um, San Clemente. Howard
0: Hughes sneaking money in the back door. I mean, it never, ever, ever stops. In the next episodes, we lay out... You know the yes. individual characters. We're also going to go through all these other uh, happening right along to parallel so with Watergate.
1: Yeah, we're going to have so much fun next week with all of this stuff because, trust me, folks. It's—I it, mean—it's amazing when you actually get it all listed together. You think, Jesus Christ, no, how did he get? How did he even get to Watergate? <laughs> um, because I mean, these are these are all charges that, that that should go against him. But he comes in, and as Shane mentioned there, he says. I've got a plan, a secret plan. I love when politicians do this. I've got a plan. I'm just not going to tell you, but take me at my word. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a
0: very Sturgeon-esque sort of a uh, it, uh, <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's, it's a very modern title. <laughs> trust me, I know what I'm doing. Just don't ask me about it. And he comes in, and, and his plan is something called the Madman Theory, which he had seen used. Um, this is what Eisenhower used to end the war in Korea, yep. which is, and there was some logic to it. He was known as such a tough anti-communist. The plan was they would basically get the word to the North Vietnamese that look you know what Nixon's like we can't control him he, he hates communism he will use he will use nuclear weapons to, to end this war so you have to negotiate a settlement and that is exactly what Eisenhower had done with the Koreans however there was a big difference he was General Eisenhower yeah of Operation Overlock. Yes, the, the, sha- the Shave
0: Commander. I mean, this yeah. is, yes. <laughs>
1: the, the, you know, he has that, that gravitas, that aura. The other thing was, and this was the fundamental misunderstanding the Americans had throughout this whole war, the French had it before them, was that they would have taken, they would have been nuked. It was, it was death or glory for the Vietnamese, yep. uh, the North Vietnamese, and they knew that they would they would suffer more they would outlast that's why it was an unwinnable war because it didn't matter what you did to them they were never going away to the last man you might kill all of them um and if you did that great you know the you but that you'd have to to win the war um so well we might nu- yeah, nukes yeah. you know i mean yeah. they genuinely that, that was their mindset we would rather die than than not be free because they didn't see it as the Americans did this war against communism. They saw it as a a nationalist, a a war for liberation. Um, And the French and the Americans never understood this. So the war drags on.
0: Well, well, he he expands the war, I mean, toward the beginning, of course, bombing in Cambodia and uh, Which, yeah.
1: again, is is, is understandable. In, well, yeah, it's the Khmer Rouge, so... Yeah, they were using... Well, they create the Khmer Rouge with it, but they were using... The, the North Vietnamese were using Cambodia's supply lines because it was yep. so-called neutral zones, but even so, at a time when the war is not very popular, um, what he does do is... Again, this is something that, to, to us, knowing what we know, and you always have to be careful with hindsight we look back and say, why don't you just end the war? And in 68, he could have. He could have said, look, I'm in. This is unwinnable. I'm coming out. But politically, he couldn't. His right. supporters were the ones who could not face... I mean, they were the traditionalist conservative. They could not face the idea that America would lose a war. Yeah. And I think because we've, we've grown up, Shane, with 68 protests on the street, all those montages with uh, Jimi Hendrix playing... Uh, all along the watchtower we've grown up thinking the whole of america was out against the war that Mm -hmm. isn't true a lot of americans were out against the war an awful lot weren't an awful lot supported it and there was still the fear that if we let north vietnam go uh or south vietnam sorry if we let north vietnam take south vietnam the whole of asia will be communist and we could end up you know as you said you've got the soviet union sitting there at berlin yep we could end up basically being this one island surrounded by this enemy ideology. And again, you know, you've been telling the American public for 25 years that communism is the root of all evil. Yeah. That you couldn't just walk away from it, unfortunately. Well, well,
0: uh, no, because, I mean, you have Kissinger, you know, I mean, saying aside what they did in 68, which we're going to end this, we're not going to tell you how, and never we're actually going to expand the war. But, you, yeah. know, you know, going, even in... Um, Early 1971, Um, you know, if you go through the tapes again, uh, you got Kissinger saying, um, Hold on, I wrote this. We can't have it knocked over brutally, to put it brutally, before the election. And Nixon agrees. And of course, in the build up to the 1972 presidential election, uh, Nixon builds on this idea that South Vietnam probably (laughs) could never even survive anyway. And uh, I, I don't true. want before the election with a foul blow up. If we do, it's going to hurt us very badly. So not only has he committed treason in 68 in terms of negotiating with a foreign power uh, to, and then prolong the war, but in the buildup four years later in 1972, it is recognizes the fact that I cannot end this war right now. I have to keep killing not only, not only our own people, but tens of thousands of Vietnamese every single week. Uh, in order to win this election again. Which, I mean, honestly, that that might not even have been the case, as we'll find out in 72, because he won every state except for one. Um, But, you know, by this point, once you're in, you're in.
1: Yeah, and that was was who he was. You know, it was like my my interest. Again, I think that it doesn't come from a wholly evil place of, I'm just saying, I think it is my interests are, the country's interests, yep. and therefore I am so vital. He did see himself as vital. For all we talk about, you know, his, his, his sense of, you know, the chip on the shoulder um, and his sense of being not belonging, he, he still has had a very high opinion of himself. Yep. I, I just, you know, looking back, it was the obvious thing to do, but he doesn't do it. They're in this quagmire. And they knew, incidentally, that, I mean, they're on the tape saying how long do we think they can hold out? And they're like, well, maybe two years. And Nixon's going, ah, two years is all right. We can't get the blame for it. Yeah. It's very David. Yeah, it's Murray-like Kennedy's fault. Rachel's. It's
0: Johnson's fault. It's, yeah, it's it's everybody else's fault.
1: <laughs> Which is a fascinating thing about the Pentagon Papers. So we'll come to that next, yep. Um, in the next show, because I think we've we've, we've set the scene. So this is a man yeah. who is, remember, folks, all throughout this, they are the Americans are at war. There is this huge social protest going on at home. There's the 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 ever present threat of the Soviets. Who there's we just beat to the
0: moon, which was a there. very, very yeah, nice thing for Dick Nixon within his first year.
1: All of this is happening yes. and yes. nothing exists in a vacuum. Watergate does not happen in a vacuum. Watergate happens because there are so many different reasons. And and one thing I think we, we need to mention before we before we leave them is there's a great phrase by James Carville, who Shane, you'll know, was... Oh, yeah. Was um, uh, one of Clinton, Clinton's big Clinton's, advisors. Clinton's yeah. big advisor. Hey, but... you,
0: you, you all might know him as the boy with the really bad Louisiana accent and the shape.
1: Really head. strong South, yeah. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. He said an absolutely brilliant thing about Nixon. He said he thought people were out to get him, and he was right, but he gave them a lot to get him with. Yep. And this is the media do hate him. The yep. elites do hate him. He's right. It's This is not a false belief they don't like him they don't like his politics they don't nope. like his manner and again you have to remember the power of the kennedy myth yep. in in that at the time they felt like jfk had been taken away from them before he, he had the chance to do something special they really felt that rfk and by the way i think they were onto something i think he's the I great lost. Lobby woven. yeah yeah um, i think he's he had yep. made that journey that kennedy that, that jfk hadn't you know, he, he had made that journey by the time he was running for election in 68. And they're looking at Teddy, who, of course, fucks up their dreams at Chappaquiddick. Yep. Um, and suddenly they're looking at this, this Nixon guy and he's he's going to win because the Democratic Party, the, the White Knights are all gone. You know, the yep. Kennedys, the, 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 and they felt it had been ripped away. And, of course, they project that onto Nixon. So he's getting battered in the papers constantly. You know, really vile stuff vile stuff about his wife and daughter, which is offside no matter who you are, um writing stuff about a politician's wife or a politician's daughter. Um I, I don't think you'd get uh, away uh, with uh, that Although, although
0: not, not, not something Nixon himself was above. <laughs> no, of course <laughs> that, that's a out. problem. <laughs> that's why it's
1: hard to be somebody and yeah. he, he did he did have that, that thing of when I do it it's all right. When you yeah. do it, you know yeah. you know yeah, you um, son of a bitch. So <laughs> he's incredibly paranoid at this point and i do think we have to mention this is the era of the cold war right these people they'd been in the war they were fascinated by spying and background stuff and black bag jobs and you know dark operations and all of that kind of stuff they'd grown up with it um i think shane that's a huge aspect of what happens with watergate they really loved this shit he said oh yeah no i mean yeah that's it exactly that's a great phrase the james bond shit they loved this and not just them you know i mean there's the the movie the conversation the uh coppola movie is a great exponent that people loved this idea of bugging and secret rendezvous and and we're going to introduce a character next week the great G Gordon Liddy straight from the pages of of well a uh, Maxwell Smart uh novel rather than a James Bond novel. He's more Austin Powers than than James Bond. Yeah yeah, yeah. Maxwell Smart was a Nazi. <laughs> yeah yeah. Nazi Maxwell Smart yeah her her von, Maxwell von Smart. Um this this guy is and he plays to everyone all the way through it because again we'll look back and we'll go why did nobody think this guy's a whack job yeah and it was that it was because they were all into that and then of course we get the biggest leak of all time that will never ever be topped where you get the government's own papers telling you that they have lied to you for 20 years you're in a war you cannot win and they know this, and yet they're still sending Americans there to die yep. in the Pentagon Papers. Yep.
0: And as David said, you know, Nixon gave Democrats the rope to hang him with. And it yep. is, as we'll find out later in the series, Ted Kennedy, who comes back to hang the noose um, in, in launching the, uh, the, the the committee in the Senate to investigate the Watergate break-in. Yep. So, and yep. It,
1: it's, you know, uh, that that's the thing. What happens to Richard Nixon – Yeah, he had enemies. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, there were enemies that were out to get him. There's no doubt about that. But he does it to himself. And next week, we will begin to tell you how he goes about doing that. Yes,
0: and all the people that come along for the ride with him. So.
1: And there are a lot of wonderful... I mean, you mentioned Martha Mitchell there. John Mitchell's a wonderful character. Yeah. Haldeman, the, uh, Ehrlichman with a... I remember, he stands. Know, John, John Dean, who, <laughs> who increasingly, as he gets older, he was there, but you know he knew it was all wrong. It was nothing to do with him. But no. he stands. You've got um, uh, Tony yeah, you know, He's straight from central casting. I mean, Jed MacGruder. Jed uh, um, uh, uh, MacGruder. A
0: little quiet guy named Ken Dahlberg, who gets wrapped we, up in the middle of all this shit and you've got you know these two intrepid reporters
1: one of whom might be in the cia we have got a cast of we've got burglars who are in the cia we've got the the head of the fbi you name it folks next week we are about to it's all here uh, oh it's it's all on so so
0: don't miss it no uh you guys like the show you like all the other stuff Go down, and, at least in the links on mine, there's a buy me a coffee link. You can help donate to the Crow Pod. I still got to buy some more stuff because this new soundboard I bought is not working. So I still got to replace that. And, of course, with David's stuff and Heart and Hand, just go find them on the Patreon there uh, and, and chip in. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, like David said, we're going to come back next week. A lot about the Pentagon Papers and a lot about the people around that whole, I don't know, Scandal of its own, who, who emerge in 1972 as, as, as all, well, I mean, all the key players in, in the Watergate break in and, and the fallout and everything that comes down the pipe, which as we've said Nixon creates for himself. So, uh, David, of course, you can find on Twitter at iBroxBrox. Thanks, David.
1: Oh, an absolute pleasure. I mean, loved it. Can't wait for next week.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, but again, you can find everything else that we do on either on the Crow Network, Art and Hand Network. And, uh, yeah, next episode, next Friday, and that's it. We'll be back for more Watergate 50 then. See ya. It is just too tricky for a chump like me to use. Oh, you. You take that subcommittee serious, bye. and I'm serious. You just might get a seizure from the e-degree